0: A couple weeks ago, I was blessed with the confirmation that God was speaking to me about something. The image of donkeys, or a colt rather, kept coming to me for some reason while I was going through uh, a little bit of loneliness, a little bit of feeling misunderstood by people in my life. I have spoken about confirmation uh, when hearing the voice of God in the podcast before. And really the intent of this podcast originally, about a couple of weeks ago or just under, was to uh, share a confirmation that I received and the word that I got from God just to kind of pass it along and maybe you'd be blessed by it or maybe you'd think of things differently. And the one thing that I knew you might see differently or in a new lens that you really might have not seen things through before was the meaning of Hosanna. And now here we are, April 9th, and tomorrow is Palm Sunday. And I was kind of, call me unaware, but I was completely unaware that Palm Sunday was coming up so soon. And now that I've procrastinated doing this podcast, it's taken me a couple weeks back into April. And now here we are talking about Hosanna and Palm Sunday and the word that I got, which is completely in context with that story. Um, It's always fun to see God work, and I know he works all things for good for those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose, and uh, it was nice to see that my negative procrastination uh, was ultimately in uh, what God used for his uh, perfect timing, and it's just fun to see God work even negative things in our lives or what we perceive as being negative and he can turn them around and use them to serve his purpose uh, in little ways, big ways and always. I'm a sensitive soul and this war in Ukraine has taken some toll on me in a few different ways. I don't want to sound ridiculous I know that what they're going through is obviously uh, immensely more troublesome than I could ever feel with all the blessings and comforts that I have in this life but It's the unpredictable violence, the senseless violence, the victims of this violence, children, and pregnant mothers, and the non-discriminatory violence. And if you put yourself in their shoes, well, which is virtually impossible to do, it is intolerably, petrifyingly, and intensely horrifying. World events primarily since 2020 have caused my faith to kind of quiver. You see... I guess I've been probably to too many Bible studies on the book of Revelation. The book baffles me, but some of the theories and translations held broadly in Christian circles baffles me as well. I really don't know how accurately we as Westerners and Western thinkers, where imagery is not something we do, and where we read translated into English scriptures, I don't know how much we can grasp to what John was trying to describe on Patmos and his visions. But don't misunderstand or get me wrong, please. I'm not saying we cannot be enlightened. I'm fully aware of the blessing offered to the ones who read this book aloud. It's just that I have seen the narrow rigidity and boxed-in translations held staunchly by many different studies and churches around the United States. Yes, we can hear it and we can take it to heart because the time is near, but that does not mean that we can get a lock on all of it. That is simply what I'm saying there. In fact, things aren't panning out quite yet how I had hoped or imagined or thought about, and my faith has been challenged by this. Um, I want to read to you what Jesus has to say on some of this, some of this subject, um, and not from the book of Revelation, but from when Jesus was walking the earth with the disciples. It says, then Jesus went out and departed, from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Uh, He's predicting the destruction of the temple here. Um, Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came up to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you to the tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will go cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And when this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee, to the mountains let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the sabbath for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time and no nor ever shall be And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those will be shortened. And that's Matthew uh, 24. So what do these scriptures and revelation have to do with my loneliness and feelings of being misunderstood and my faith being tested? The prayer of my heart has often been a yearning and deep desire to see Jesus triumphantly return to earth. Part of these feelings I admit are selfish. I don't wanna die, I don't wanna feel the pain of death. I just wanna go straight to heaven. But there are other groanings in my spirit that I know blesses God, such as having a great hope in his return and in the coming of the new, the new Jerusalem, the new earth, where all suffering has been done away with. In the book of Romans, Paul writes, Consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Another big prayer in my heart is for all this violence and sorrow to end. I hate terrorism, war, I hate innocent animals pain children feel, the fear mothers feel, the looming dread volunteer soldiers feel, genocide, hunger, dictatorships, the suffering of the poor, kidnappings, the abuse, the sex trafficked. I hate it all and sadly the list goes on and on. On a personal level, I hate being judged and I hate feeling so lonely and I hate what people have thought and said about me in the past. I also hate people who are puffed up with pride and people who act like or think they know it all and who act like jerks. I hate the desensitization that has occurred over the war and over gun violence, police violence, and loss of life and bitter discord that is so pervasive in our culture. I guess I came to a place not long ago where I wanted Jesus to hasten his plans of redemption. I wanted God's plan to fit better into my limited understanding and perception of end times. I'm looking up to the sky, but I'm not seeing him come down to save us. Save us, King Jesus. And such is the irony. I'm ready for King Jesus, the warrior lying to exact wrath and justice on the earth. And spare me, of course, and spare my family and friends. But my heart's cry was, save us now. Gosh, God is so good. Little did I know, as noble as some of my groanings were, others would have me treating Jesus as someone I wanted him to be while ignoring who he really is. So let me tell you about my confirmation in God's faithfulness and awesomeness. I used to read a devotional email called God's Daily Word by Steve Troxel, which I've sadly neglected for a long time. Well, it was in these last few weeks that I came back to read one of these emails for the first time uh, in forever. The first one started like this, and I quote, We could discuss the Old Testament prophecies, which were fulfilled with Jesus. We could show where Micah said the Savior would be born in Bethlehem, and where Isaiah stated he would be born of a virgin. We could point to Zechariah, who prophesied that our king would enter Jerusalem gentle and riding on a donkey. How David said he would be crucified, they have pierced my hands and my feet, and how Isaiah said he would die for our sins. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. These are all good truths to share at the appropriate time, but when someone is doubting or searching, it usually is best to follow the example of Jesus. End quote. My mom happened to email me the same reading because she found some pertinent parts she thought would be nice to share. Honestly, I glossed over that last beginning I just quoted because it was the author talking about how to point non-believers to proof of the Word of Christ. I don't really struggle with witnessing in my life God has brought me so many open minded seekers, it's almost second nature to talk about God. But I was having difficulty understanding any of the prophets and what their prophecies were foretelling, the minor prophets at least, anyway. I mean, why does Revelation mention Babylon when Babylon was a thing of the past? Yet Revelation is widely regarded as future prophecy. The prophet Zechariah in chapter 14, in verse 9, reads The Lord will be king over the earth on that day, there will be one Lord, and his name, the only name, now, this was the Uversion app, verse of the day from March 22nd. version app is just a Bible app on your phone. And it often has a verse of the day. And this is for March 22nd, which is the day God was speaking to me. Zechariah reads like end days or future prophecy, but it talks about Judah. Judah is a thing of the past, at least in name and territory. I listen to a sequence of radio patches or podcasts in the morning. On this day, the introductory Christian podcast read from Exodus, and the author prayed, thanking God that he uses donkeys in the Bible, which is a thing the author, she noticed. The Exodus story doesn't really have anything to do with donkeys, but she listed off examples from Scripture, not forgetting to mention when Christ wrote in on a colt on Palm Sunday. As I was contemplating all this weird, donkey, and end-of-times prophecy business, a temptation from the pit of Hades popped into my head, and I knew from the pit of hell. I thought to myself, no wonder Judaism renounces Jesus as Messiah. These prophecies and pieces don't fit. Maybe I should deny Christ as Messiah. What? What was I thinking? It's like Satan took me instantly to the core of his delight, causing a child of God to renounce Jesus as God. And after all God has done for me, no way I rejected this thought, and it troubled me that it even found its way into my mind to think such a thing. Finally that evening, as I went to sleep, I put on Zechariah because I knew it contained encouraging verses about returning to the Lord, and it was a prophecy of God the ruling king, the king I have been waiting for to come down from heaven and make all things new and good." Thank God I remained awake because my heart leapt in my chest in chapter 9. Chapter 9, header is the coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, slowly, and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That is when it hit me, what God was saying to me about feeling alone, misunderstood, and why I had been doubting and fretting, why I had anxiety. But my anxious thoughts then began to turn into such joy. Yes, Jesus did fulfill that prophecy. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. Zechariah the prophet was pre exactly the coming of Jesus Messiah. But Jesus didn't come to rule the nations. He came as an offering. He came lonely. The Lord, their God, will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Jesus came to save, but he also came to die so that man could and would be saved. Now, Hosanna is often translated, please save us. It is... A Greek word that most scholars believe is the transliteration of two Hebrew words, yasha, which means to save or deliver, and anna, which means please, a beseech. Other scholars believe its Hebrew roots come from uh, a different verb tense of yasha, which means to cause or to bring about salvation. In this tense, hosanna becomes a command to bring about or cause salvation. Let me talk a little about about where Hosanna is in the Bible. It occurs in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and John mention that the people called out Hosanna in praise and celebration during Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem during the week before. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. The people who were celebrating Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem were quoting, Save us, we pray. O Lord, O Lord, we pray. Give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The phrase, save us, we pray, in Hebrew sounds like Hosanna. Hosanna. People who use the word uh, Hosanna often intended to say, at last salvation has come to us, after a long wait is finally here. Yasha and Anna, Yasha stands for delivers and Anna please, in essence the word boils down to please save us our deliverer. The Israelites wanted salvation from Rome, they'd seen God conquer enemies in their past, Even though the Babylonians took them captive, when the Babylonians fell to the Persian Empire, the Israelites returned back home to Jerusalem and rebuilt their city. They wanted to see the same thing happen with Rome, to have a conqueror drive them out. Jesus did come to defeat an enemy, but not quite the one they had in mind. He knew the ultimate enemy, sin, enslaved far more than the Roman occupation in Israel. Rome would fall a few centuries later, but Jesus needed to face the ultimate enemy, sin. Luke 19, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. You and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. My heart's cry this week, or on March 22nd, had been, God, save us now. Hosanna literally means, please save us now. I was that crowd. This is what God was showing me. I was that crowd, cheering for a king for deliverance for a new ruler that would right all things. But Jesus was a king and a king in a crown of thorns. If I had only trusted what would bring me peace, the kingdom of heaven is within me. Jesus came to give himself up to lose his life, that he might cover my shame and guilt and sin with his blood. His own people, Jerusalem, missed who he was. They got it wrong. Hosanna was a misinformed to cry. Jesus wept over this. I felt alone and misunderstood. Well, Jesus knew how that feels all too well. Praise the Father for showing me that my heart's cry was based on fear, weakness, and misinformation or lack of understanding. Dear Lord, I accept you for who you are. I will not praise you or hope on you any longer to be what I want. No, I will praise you for who you are and how you humbled yourself for me. I'm sorry. I plead for a king. You will come and my hope shall be secure In the meantime, I trust you and lay my fears at your feet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even there, Lord, you will be with me until all that are yours will be yours again. Thank you for your patience, even with the wicked. Your kindness leads us to repentance. In Jesus' name we thank you and pray. Amen.